You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, hello there, greetings. We are indeed the ProcureTech Podcast. Thank you for joining us today to listen to our latest episode. We bring you everything that's fun and innovative in the procurement space, and we definitely don't bring you any dull content. That's our promise here on the show. And today we're going to be continuing with our little mini-series on e-sourcing platforms and tackling an issue that's becoming more and more important in buyers' decisions when it comes to what software solution uh, they decide to purchase, specifically that's evolved from the sort of business-to-consumer model of having a good user experience. And especially when we're talking about adoption levels and acceptance of digital software tools to perform tasks within a business, We've all, or a lot of us, have been on the wrong side of clunky software over the years. And now that is, thankfully, changing. And the discussion that I'm going to have with our guests today is going to be centered around that topic because they've built something that is, quite frankly, from the demo that I've seen, beautiful on the outside. But does it actually do what you need it to? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show this week's guest, who is Jack McFarlane, CEO of DeepStream Technologies. Excellent. Hi, James. Happy to be on your podcast. Very excited. Fantastic. So let's dive in, first of all, uh, to a little bit of background on you both, because neither of you have procurement experience. So what brought you to this space of developing an e-sourcing tool because when we were speaking before we hit record you both have pretty interesting backgrounds so let's let's do that really quickly and then jump into to what we really want to talk about jack on the sea of Deepstream. um i guess yeah my background is pretty interesting i actually grew up around the world as a kid i only came to england when i was 14 i, I grew up across africa and south america and uh, india and france um, and yeah, my background from a career perspective is completely unrelated to the procurement technology, right? So I really made a big switch when I was about uh, 28. You know, I went, I did you know, economics at LSC uh, as an undergrad, and I went straight into investment banking in London. I was an M&A in the equity capital markets. Um, and then I worked in, on the equity derivatives desk um, in equity capital markets. I ended up actually in New York running the um, special sits uh, financing desk for Latin America, which was really, really fun. I was kind of flying down to Mexico and Brazil every week or two, which was really, really interesting experience. Um, and then, yeah, I made a completely different uh, switch, wanted a, a new challenge, saw a big opportunity in the in the procurement market um, and enabling kind of procurement decisions with technology. And that led me to, yeah, found and set up DeepStream um, back end of 2016, early 2017. So from investment banking, which I know absolutely nothing about through to procurement tech, um, what brought you to that decision? What pushed you to go into, into the procurement tech space? 
Um, I guess to be blunt and honest, it's pretty opportunistic, right? So um, I guess my philosophy and and how I look at the world, the business world is very much, you might call it a kind of finance uh, mentality that, you know, um, transactions between different businesses is critical for kind of a capitalist uh, ecosystem to properly function and reducing the kind of cost associated with businesses communicating with each other is you know paramount in that system functioning yeah with that in mind i looked at the procurement market and i especially industrial procurement and i kind of realized that the way in which businesses and business users were interacting with each other and exchanging information and going from source to award uh, decisions was you know pretty primitive right it was completely email driven um highly iterative um you know, just a lot of attachments flying between business users. And and I generally just couldn't believe it was still being done uh, this way. So I, I guess I saw an opportunity and 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 I decided to take it. Um, and it seemed like a almost a no-brainer to lead with a kind of technology-first approach and, and and leverage all of the technology available that we have in our personal lives and, and map that onto you know industrial uh, procurement operations and how business users effectively exchange information in getting to their award decisions with with counterparties. And that brings us to an important segment that I wanted to really focus on in this interview, because when I saw a demo of this as part of our sort of prep and learning more about about what it is that DeepStream does, one thing that really blew me away was just was just how nice it looks in terms of its in in terms of its user interface and and overall customer experience. You know, it's uh, it just it just looks like it was designed with that thought in mind, rather than you know putting in features first. How important do you feel that user experience is as part of an overall purchasing decision when it comes to deciding what e-sourcing stack or even procurement tech stack that a company wants to use and implement? I mean, in my in my mind, it's everything, right? And it's really, really cool to hear you say that that was your impression when you saw the product uh, demo, which we did before. Yeah, we will kind of want to be the Mac to the, to the Microsoft almost. And I think <laughs> that... Uh, Uh, One thing which we realized when we looked at other software available to um, business users in the procurement market is that they had approached it very much from a functionality and feature first perspective rather than a user perspective first. So um, the biggest problem which we saw in the market was all users deviating to emails and attachments and kind of going for the almost going for the jugular as to why, you know, it's because email is so easy to use you know you can engage with it so easily the user experience is you know very very easy right so when we built deepstream i guess from a product philosophy perspective you know the kind of uh, number one objective before anything else was to create a digital platform that was as easy or as close to as easy to being uh, to use as emails was so you know, that really goes to the the crux of how we built the software and and to your point like yeah user experience is absolutely everything being able to engage with the platform without really thinking making it very intuitive putting that at the forefront and actually sometimes that requires you to strip out functionality that users don't need or use and and very much that's the kind of process which our software displaces right we move you know, those kind of thousands, tens of thousands of emails that you know, users are sending each other in that source to award process and procurement, 
um, onto a digital platform. So making it super easy to use, like as lovely an experience as possible for users was, yeah, it's, 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 it's the everything when it comes to our product. And that whole features versus user experience argument is something that I personally think we're going to hear more and more about now because some of the older sort of generate first generation procurement tech solutions were were very feature rich but were also very complicated to use and tried to do everything and through the nature of trying to do everything didn't necessarily do anything particularly well let, let, let's not be delusional there are advantages of having all of your all all of your requirements within one solution rather than going best of breed in in some instances but that is becoming more and more of a complaint of users that are using these sort of first generation all-in-one enterprise level platforms so what impact do you think that that can have you know having a better ux in terms of increasing user adoption internally within an organization because you hit on a good point there that if if you're actually targeting organizations that already have some technology and they're still defaulting back to using an email excel sharepoint whatever how do you how do you increase that 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 user adoption yeah i i agree with all of that right and a lot of uh, what we think is you're delivering simple clean point solution in a best of breed framework is where the future of business applications is going right and i think the parallel which i always draw is you know look at our personal lives right you open your iphone and it's not dominated by you know one application that governs all of our kind of needs from a personal perspective and how we engage with technology it is very much a best of breed framework with multiple applications that will integrate with each other and deliver you know clear value um, and uh, under a competitive framework. And that's very much the model which, which we adopt. And in terms of the impact, right, to me, it's kind of, uh, you might say, I would say it's, it's, it's clear, right? So you know, the easier you make something to use, the lower the barrier to adoption, the, the, the faster that you can get users to engage with a digital platform off their own back without training or courses or you know, consultants coming in, you know, naturally, you're just going to have higher organic adoption and what does higher organic adoption means it means that more um, use is goes through the digital platform you know people are engaging via digital means you know and you get all of that kind of aggregation of data the network effects um so that just becomes way way higher when you do it you know when you're offering a very very easy to use highly user-friendly application than if you're you know forcing uh, users to engage in an application that they find difficult to use, maybe require a lot of training to, to get to get to grips with, um, and ultimately stop using it over time. It's quite hard to force users to use something that they don't particularly enjoy using. Yeah, and, and on the one hand, you could say that it's a brave decision to strip out features in favor of customer experience or user experience. But on the other hand, you could say that increased adoption will then result in the tool having a higher payback because its effectiveness and its adoption is going to be higher within an organization, which I suppose then in turn means that at least in theory, you're getting more spend through the tool and you're having fewer rogue purchases. Yeah, exactly. And you just look at, I mean, just taking um, Deepstream, you know, our company as a point in case, right? In terms of 
yeah, we get users, yeah, business units up and running in a day, right? So um, we see them kind of implementing the software extremely quickly, and then it organically expands within organizations. So they add on their, their, their colleagues, they add on their suppliers, and they organically start engaging on the platform off their own back. So yeah, I mean, engagement is everything. Um, you're never going to see the benefits of digital platforms if you have low engagement rates and it's and it's hard to use. So that's very like that's very much what we strive for. And I think that's yeah, a lot of the cool other companies in the tech tech in the tech world that I see, yeah, <clears throat> they're going for the same thing, right? They're saying, okay, how can we simplify this? How can we make the experience for users as good as possible? Um, how can we deliver clear cut value? rather than the old like more enterprise model which is like let's put something that's extremely feature rich get management to buy in and then force it down the organization as a matter of policy right i, I feel that model is doomed to fail um whereas a model where you know, actually users are at the forefront of the you know engagement decision is is the one which you can just like it scales as well uh, quite quite fast so just a quick interlude because there are a couple of things that I really want to make you aware of because I think they will be valuable for you. So number one, we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. If you want to get that, just head to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're a head of procurement or a center of excellence leader, and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology, especially if you're a mid-sized business, schedule a call with me. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode. Just hit that schedule a call link and we can have a quick chat to understand your challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization. And now let's get right back to this week's show. Historically, suppliers have always hated using these tools. And I guess you could then play the devil's advocate and, and say, is it just because these tools are so bloody unfriendly to use or is it just e-sourcing tools in general they don't like because they feel then immediately being on the back foot if it's something that a buying organization is imposing on its vendor base so is there anything that you've developed in the software to make the the sort of the supplier or the vendor experience smoother as well to you know to facilitate or boost ongoing supplier collaboration because that in turn as well especially in markets where suppliers may have the upper hand I'm thinking specifically in terms of certain in certain raw materials or especially now with logistics providers, given the capacity constraints, getting suppliers to actually agree to use it can be the other challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's a super good point, right? And it's one that we paid a lot of attention to, right? And there's no, I guess, like magic dust that we've created to make that user experience for the suppliers, you know, uh, super easy apart from simplicity right so on deep stream suppliers you know firstly from a commercial perspective it's completely free average onboarding time for suppliers when they got, get invited onto the platform is under five minutes um so we've just streamlined that process via simplicity as much as possible so like the overarching goal for us you know and it very much goes to the the processes which we displace which are emails is to make it as easy to use from a supplier perspective as receiving an email 
and uh, responding with you know, your your first uh, response or your bid. So we've just tried to strip it down as much as possible. And we've also tried to you know, empower suppliers to a certain extent. So we offer a lot of functionality, you know, some kind of document storage, pre-qualification, um, marketing uh, functionality to suppliers for free um, to basically incentivize them to use the platform, which then translates into more value for their, their buyer organizations as well. So the adoption rate by suppliers, you are you are seeing the fruits of your labor in terms of user friendliness, in, in terms of them being happy to to be onboarded and even potentially spreading the word. Yeah, definitely. It's been really cool to see, actually. So one of our KPIs that we track is around like supplier engagement. So when we onboard buyers, we actually go to them and we ask them as part of the onboarding process, we say like, hey, what is the, your normal response rate from suppliers? Like when you send out emails for procurement transactions like how what percentage of roughly will you know uh, engage with you and then we also benchmark that against the engagement rates um when they use deepstream the platform and uh, again it's not it's not magic but it's it's yeah. it's materially higher on the platform and a lot of that goes i think there's probably two reasons for that uh, one is the simplicity that i mentioned before the other one is just you start I mean, you automate a lot of the nudging, <laughs> like, like as, as as simple as that sounds, right? When you're a, if you're a procurement officer and you put in you know twenty suppliers and BCC on an email, and having to make sure that you can remind yourself to nudge them and make sure that they have received it, and if they haven't answered within a certain amount of time, you you ping them an email, right? That often falls through the cracks just from a kind of human you know workflow uh, perspective. Whereas when you, you know, use a, a software like DeepStream, it automates a lot of that nudging. So you know, suppliers might have missed the first email or might have like you know, uh, uh, not actioned it, then you'll, they'll, get, they'll get nudged later. So you started to see a lot higher engagement rates versus their standard processes before after kind of using the software. So we've covered off user experience, and that is a big sort of selling point of, of using a piece of software that's been designed with the user in mind and making onboarding fast and not needing a lot of training for, for users to get up and running. But we have to tackle, I guess, the elephant in the room. And that is that e-sourcing now is a very competitive marketplace. There are a lot of both older and newer entrants into the space, each you know claiming to solve a specific problem that that, that a company needs solving or, or a customer needs solving. So, you know, given that, it's going to become ever more competitive in this space. You know, other than spend analytics, it's probably the most competitive space that we have out there in in the procurement tech world. So, you know, other than user experience, you know, it has to do something that delivers value to the end customer. So, is there anything else that you have that that you see as a differentiator between you know what's becoming quite a crowded field? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things that, you know, in terms of what we hear back from our clients and what we pitch them in terms of that, the value that they get after using the software that's the differentiator. It's one that's come up and it's becoming stronger more recently. And it's something which we focus a lot on is auditability of the entire transaction trail, right? So when you, and that does, um, you know, going back to user experience, it does have a clear connection with engagement and user experience. So, you know, when you use DeepStream, you replace your entire email workflow stack, right? So then you move that all onto a medium which is fully auditable and like the governance standards of your buyer organization just increase massively. So having the whole like, the the, the G in the ESG is often forgotten, but the governance aspects 
of using you know uh, collaborative uh, easy to use software for all of your uh, data exchanges is is a key guess, differentiator for us um, another one is automated you know automating the process right so we automate for example the evaluation matrices in RFX transactions so this is a kind of notoriously uh, cumbersome you know excel driven exercise which was which is done in silos by by organizations and in the deep stream app that entire process is automated so you create your own uh, evaluation uh, uh, matrix uh, in the in the platform um, and that spits out you know on a qualitative and quantitative basis based off whatever weightings you ascribe to it an automated uh, effectively selection or, or suggested selection for the suppliers. I think the other one, which is in beta, and we just released it for uh, one of our clients as a beta uh, product feature last week, is around supplier matching and leveraging the network data which we have for the benefit of buyers. So right now, when you go into DeepStream, <clears throat> it's quite private in terms of you, know, you select the suppliers you engage with. Um, we've already built algorithms which will basically seek to predict which other suppliers will want to bid on transactions you're sending out. Um, and given the kind of wealth of data which we've got on the supplier side, both internally and, and kind of through uh, third, third parties, um, we're able to predict and be like, okay, you've added these six suppliers onto this RFX. How about these other five? That's something that you see like, you know, it, it ceases to be a pure workflow automation tool at that point. It starts to leverage network data um, and you know, user behavior on the platform to actually create a more competitive marketplace, ensure that you're reaching out to the right suppliers and also allowing more suppliers to see what's out there in the market that they can bid on. Is there a specific market segment or size of business or industry sector that you're focusing the most on? Because if you if you are implementing that feature, you know that that clearly does bring a lot of added value over time as the uh, as as the as the AI becomes more intelligent and can uh, and and can process more data. But there's a huge difference in terms of the supply base of you know a FTSE 100 insurance company versus you know a medium sized industrial manufacturing company. So, is there a specific market segment that you're going after? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I guess to preface the answer to that comment, the the, the product that we've developed is actually pretty. Uh, industry agnostic right so to the extent that you know, you're sending out multiple tenders and you're sending it out to multiple suppliers um, and there's some complexity or some information asymmetry in that uh, process the the product works right which has allowed us to expand into multiple different um, industry segments that being said um, we are focusing a massive amount of attention uh, now and have been for the past uh, year I guess in the entire clean tech space um, that's a, that's a space where okay. there's like really high um, you know, high use case uh, product market fit. It's a space that's growing really rapidly. It's a it's a space where you see a lot of businesses that want to engage with more agile software that's really easy to use and and more akin to what they have in their personal lives. Yeah, and it's it's a space that we're seeing a huge amount of growth in. So that's and that's across the supply chain, right? We have we have you know, EV companies on the platform. We have you know, gigafactories like British Volt, North Volt on the platform, um, and then we have uh, you know, battery producers, for example. So that's an area that we're, we're super excited about, and we, we have a big, uh, growing client base in. And that's interesting because I guess the mindset of those types of companies, as well, if they're quite progressive and forward thinking, and also 
rapidly growing and scaling is you just don't have the legacy and the politics that you do in some perhaps more traditional businesses where there's more resistance to change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing, again, just being kind of open is, uh, yeah, we we sometimes struggle with uh, larger, very old enterprises that have, um, I guess, legacy systems in place and also legacy culture in place. It's often hard to get them to like adopt, adopt new new kind of technology. Whereas you know, the, the younger companies and, and younger doesn't necessarily mean smaller, especially in the kind of clean tech space, they, see, they have a much, much higher appetite we've seen to just you know, want to use new technology, you know, not be encumbered by legacy systems and legacy culture, and really kind of almost approach it from a blank slate in terms of being like, we want to build a you know, supply chain for you know, uh, the, the era which we're in and, and the future what should we choose those those kind of attitudes fit really well uh, for us in terms of uh, fitting into the organizations that's really insightful actually as someone personally who's battled trying to get business out of traditional manufacturing businesses i, I kind of hear you on that one too so final question jack before we sign off if anyone would like to learn more about deepstream what's the best way that they can get hold of you I mean, you can give them my email. It's jm at deepstreamtech.com. <laughs> Happy to field any any kind of uh, <laughs> uh, inbounds that, that that creates. Um, also, just take a look at our website. We we try to create as snazzy a website as uh, as our products. And yeah, we're always looking for you know different views, whether it's kind of opinions or, or takes on on how we've developed the software and our, our philosophy. Um, so yeah, love love to hear from your audience um, in, in case they they have any any need to reach out. Fantastic. Jack, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure learning more about the solution and uh, really your plans for the future. So yeah, watch this space and we will be back next week with another e-sourcing solution as part of this mini series. So as anyone listening can sort of compare and contrast the different aspects, the different features, the different market segments that each of these providers are going after. Keep in touch, Jack. All the best and cheers. Excellent. Pleasure's mine, James. Thank you. Thanks again for your time. So just before we sign off, don't forget if you like the ProcureTech podcast and want to get updates every time we release a new episode, hit subscribe in your favorite place where you listen to your podcasts. And also, if you're on LinkedIn, then don't forget, send me a connection request. It would be great to hear from you and follow the LinkedIn page for the ProcureTech podcast. We regularly post snippets and best bits of series one, as well as the new series on there to make sure that you're not missing out on any great little bits of content from the different episodes. Thank you very much for listening. We know there are a lot of procurement podcasts out there right now, and I'm very grateful that you've chosen to listen to us today. We'll be back again in one week's time with another great episode. Until then, keep driving value in your business. We'll catch you again next week. Until then, bye for now. <laughs>